to Married to the Ministry, which is part of the Love Worth Finding podcast network. If you are a pastor's wife looking for encouragement or for practical wisdom on how to manage all the challenges of your role with a smile on your face, we're so glad you're here. This is your host, Janet Addison, and I'd like to help you embrace truth and delight in your ministry life. I've just made some yummy hot tea, so why don't you grab a cup and let's chat for a while. Welcome back to Married to the Ministry. So glad you're joining us today. I want to ask you, have you ever experienced culture shock in ministry? Maybe you've traveled to another country and realized the stuff they taught you in those mission trip prep meetings did not really prepare you for uh, the differences that you were going to face in the food or the climate or the way schedules work in other countries, or perhaps your family has relocated to a new church or ministry assignment, and you just feel like you've moved to a foreign country. How to Survive Culture Shock is what we're going to be talking about today, and I've asked a uh, friend of mine, a pastor's wife, Gay Ramsey, to join our conversation. So welcome, Gay. Thank you. It's good to be here. Thank you for inviting me. So glad you're able to talk with us. And the last couple of years, she's moved from her home state to another part of the country and had to adapt to a different type of ministry that they're doing, as well as a new environment. But before we talk about that, I wanted y'all to get to know her a little bit. So, Gay, why don't you tell us some about what being married to the ministry looks like for you? Well, I think that being married to the ministry has changed over time. My husband and I have been married for 35 years. And we jumped right into ministry right after we got married 35 years ago. Actually, our anniversary was yesterday. Well, congratulations. And um, I think that from being from the first church that we were at to where he is now the state executive director for the West Virginia Baptist Convention, there have been a lot of different ministry avenues that we have traveled. And I think that being married in the ministry with him has been adventurous and has been sometimes spontaneous and sometimes has been rough, but also has been very lots of joy and has been included in all of the things that we've seen lives changed. Okay. So he, I know he's worked for the North American Mission Board. and Yes. So when we first got married, we were on staff at a church um, in Hot Springs, Arkansas. And then we went to, it was Glen Rose, Texas, where he was on staff while he was going to seminary. And then we went to Kansas, uh, First Baptist Church, Hayesville. Then we went to the North American Mission Board. He was there for nine years. And then we went into mission evangelism for nine years. And then he was on staff at First Baptist Church Fort Smith, and now we're in West Virginia. So it's been uh, lots of um, lots of different places. Well, you've hit several different states in that uh, journey. It sounds like yes, I would say I'm a nomad. <laughs> okay. Well, you said uh, you've had some joys, so let's talk about that. What are some blessings that you've experienced as being a pastor's wife? I think one of the biggest blessings is being able to see my husband do what he does best in each of the positions that he has he has held, whether it's been um, in the pastorate or been, you know, at the North American Mission Board or being a mission leader, um, all the things that he has been able to, to do and that I get to work beside him. I think each of those roles have been different, but yet each of those roles have included um, encouraging pastors and Uh, That's one of the things that we have loved doing together has been able to encourage other pastors or other people in ministry, because I know that growing up as a 
pastor's daughter, that I also know, understand what it's like to be a pastor's kid. So I think it's all those things. My husband also grew up as a pastor's kid, and we understand some of the dynamics that happen in ministry life. And so we love to be able to encourage others. But I think that the blessing for me is to be able to see when we can love on a pastor's family and that can help them move to the next place or they can function better where they are. Okay. And I guess as uh, the convention director in your state, the executive in West Virginia, that's part of y'all's role there, yes. I guess, is yes, supporting is. the pastors who are serving in the churches in West Virginia. Yes. Every um, week, Eric has a meeting with uh, pastors and associational directors of missions. He he has two separate meetings with them to encourage them. But then I try to travel with him um, when he goes and preaches different places so that I can also encourage and love on the pastor's wife because I know that it, sometimes they just need someone to talk to. Mm-hmm. They need someone to pray with them. And they just sometimes they need a hug. Mm-hmm. So um, I I enjoy being able to do that. Well, sometimes... There are uh, challenges, I guess, or struggles in ministry. Oh yes, talk to us about that. Have has, what what kind of things have uh, have y'all found to be challenging, or that you've really had to ask the Lord, help me? Well, I would say probably one of the one challenge happened right after we got married. We went to a church, and I'm not going to say which church or where it was, but I will say that um, we he was a youth pastor back then, and we had invited lots of kids to come to the service, and um, some of the, the kids that were from across the tracks came and accepted the Lord, but some of the people in the church did not want to uh, baptize them uh, to the church because they didn't have that kind in their church, and that was very difficult for me because I've always thought that we should always accept everyone. And it was um, a sad time because they actually fired Eric over that. Mm -hmm. And, um, but the Lord sent us to another church and um, that was a very loving church. And we had a wonderful experience there. And the pastor was very much so reaching out to whomever to come. And so that was a growing time. And I think that was a huge challenge for me uh, as a new minister's wife to be able to understand sometimes uh, church dynamics because we don't always understand why people in the church won't be accepting or they're not always loving to others that are outside of the church and because that's kind of the point that's kind of the point <laughs> and so that was that was very I think that was a one a huge challenge for me and my relationship with people in the church but to also understand that that's not how everyone's heart is mm-hmm. you know so that was that was a that was a good time and, and a growth, growing time for us during those first few years of ministry. And then um, later on, when my husband was in mission evangelism, we were in a lot of churches. We actually owned a fifth wheel and we lived in that fifth wheel close to 30 weeks out of the year. Oh, wow. We homeschooled our children and we were across driving across the country and doing lots of events in different churches, encouraging churches to be on mission. But it was also a difficult time financially because we were raising our own finances during that time. Uh, We didn't always have the money that we needed to be able to sometimes take care of just some basic things. And we needed to, we had built um, our own little place up in the mountains. It was a metal building, a small metal building that we put half of, well, part of it was a garage and the other half, we actually designed a place for us to live when we could be home. And so it was just like a little two-story apartment and 
it was up in the mountains. We had bought property. It was kind of up in the northwest part of Arkansas. During one of the times that Eric was overseas on a mission trip, my kids and I were there. and We had a two storm ice storms and snowstorms back to back, and we were. We were, my husband had chopped a lot of wood and he came home and it was all gone. I said, you don't understand. It, <laughs> it never, was cold. It was very cold and it didn't get above like 25 degrees all the time you were gone. But um, anyway, uh, during that time we realized we, we were stuck. I mean, we needed a, a four wheel drive pickup truck and I know um, we just, but we didn't have the finances and I really began to pray and I said, Lord, this is a need that we have and I know that you provide and you always provide and give us what we need. And uh, we went to a church um, about three weeks after that. And while we were there, the pastor said, how can I pray for you? And I said, well, we need a four-wheel drive pickup truck. He said, well, can we pray for something a little bit more attainable? And I was like, well, I think everything is attainable to God. (laughs) And he, he said, well, let's pray. So we did. And he said, during that prayer, the Lord tapped him on the shoulder and said, you're going to provide the pickup truck. Hmm. And, um, and long story short, his son had um, been in drug re- had to go to drug rehab, and they had his pickup truck. And he said he sat in that truck two days before that and said, Lord, what do you want me to do with this pickup truck? And he said, and when I asked him, can we pray for that? The Lord said to him, this is what I want you to do with that four-wheel oh, drive wow. pickup truck. So um, anyway, the, he announced in church that Sunday to his congregation that they were going to buy four new tires for that truck, and they were going to get it all fixed up for us. And they were going to give us that truck. And I think it was a, a time that it was also for our children who were with us to see that God provides. He always can meet our needs and he always can provide for us in, in, in the small things, but also in the, you know, the larger things that we need. And we, we always in ministry, sometimes we forget that we serve the God who created the world. Mm-hmm. He created every aspect of who we are and he loves us and he wants to provide for us. Well, and the fact that uh, that's a perfect example of going, you know, beyond what we can think or imagine. I mean, they not only gave you the truck, they gave you new tires for the truck and to make sure it was, you know, it was in good condition and safe. And you think about that pastor, he didn't automatically jump at that. He, He had to let the Lord prompt him to do that. And he obeyed and his act of obedience, you know, stirred his church up to be more generous. Mm-hmm. And, and then the the tangible, practical need that they met for y'all. And then, like you said, the, the lesson your kids learned about this is the God that we serve who Absolutely. does something like that. He, he heard our prayers. He gave us exactly what we needed and they'll never forget that no and they still don't and just to let you know we still have that truck <laughs> well that <laughs> was a great deal then <laughs> it sits in our driveway and we use it a lot of times when we're just needing to go pick up something for the yard but you know um, it has a lot of miles on it but it's still a really great truck and you know it's just a great reminder when I see it that God will answer my prayer. And uh, I really believe that he takes care of our needs. Mm-hmm. And sometimes in ministry, we don't we don't see how, maybe we're struggling financially and we don't always understand how we're going to pay that bill or we're going to do that. But I do know that we can trust the Lord because he does take care of our needs. He does. Well, thanks for sharing that. Well, let's um, shift to our main okay. topic for today. Um, I did a little... Uh, Googling on uh, culture shock because I wanted to make sure I had the definition straight in my head. And uh, it must be true because I read it on the internet. But it said um, culture shock is when you feel disoriented because you are in an unfamiliar culture 
or way of life or dealing with an unfamiliar set of attitudes. And I like the word disoriented because that really is what it, it feels like. I mean, you still have, like when we moved here, We've been here a year now. There is no Kroger. And I have shopped at Kroger <laughs> my entire life. And yes, there are other grocery stores, but I feel disoriented having to learn new brands and learn new, and, you know. And I'm with you on that because we, we shopped at Kroger when we lived in Georgia. And when we moved here um, for the time that we lived here, I felt exactly the same yeah, way. <laughs> It, it's kind of been traumatic. So, you know, that's culture shock. And, you you know, it, it might hit you different ways. But our our journey, you know, Greg <clears throat> was a pastor and he left a church to join our state convention office. And so I did not realize I was going to have some culture shock just in his job change because I went from being Mrs. Pastor, who was there all the time, to all of a sudden now he was doing interim supply preaching at a different church every week. And I was just a Sunday morning visitor basically every week. And that kind of, you know, I didn't, that, that was that was kind of a shock to me, the the feeling of disorientation and, and constantly being unfamiliar surroundings and singing. We're in church every week, and every week we're singing songs I had never heard before. So just, you know, you don't have to necessarily move to experience culture shock. It can just be a change in your job. So um, how was the transition for y'all? Because I know y'all were at mm-hmm. a church, on staff at a church, right? in a you know, a staff position, Eric was not the lead pastor, but now y'all have moved to a, a convention job where he is the executive. He's the, you know, the lead executive in the state. Yeah, I, w- I would say that, yes, there's definitely culture shock. Um, when we moved to West Virginia, it was right when the pandemic hit. So that even added to all the culture shock mm-hmm. things because you had the mask, you had separation. Um, it was hard to build relationships with people. Even the churches that we went to when he was supply preaching, there was very little greeting because people so afraid, right. even of the shaking hands yeah, or no anything contact. like that. So no contact. Mm-hmm. So that was very difficult. I think that, you know, going with him every Sunday, I did that for about a year. I would, anytime he would be supply preaching, but it got to the point that I needed to have a place where I could minister myself. Mm-hmm. So, um, we found, um, we found a, a, a church that we could join and, I have become a part of the priest team. I don't sing on the priest team, but maybe once a month, but at least I can do that. And I joined a Bible study. That was the biggest thing that Mm -hmm. I did. I wanted to find a women's Bible study. And of course, during COVID, they weren't having them. So that was really hard. It was took about a year. And then our church started having a ladies Bible study. And being a part of that was really necessary for me in dealing with the culture shock so that I could get to know people in that culture because mm-hmm. it is a it is different. I will say that the people in West Virginia are loving and friendly, uh, but there are many differences. Mm-hmm. You know, even well, like Well, and you left a, the second largest city in Arkansas, which is still right. not a huge city, but, right. but it's a city and and uh, Yeah, and where we live more... well, where we live now is between two large cities. Okay. So this the town that we live in now is 30 minutes from the capital and then it's 30 minutes from another town which is 
college town. So, you know, there's lots of things to do. And where we are, there's some basic things, but to really to go shopping or do anything, get anything that we really need, it's 30 to 35 minute drive. So that's very different for me. And that was very hard. Strangest things that I would say to the culture shock is going to be the roads are very narrow. <laughs> I don't like driving on the narrow roads because it makes me very nervous. There's not well, necessarily enough space. Well, and hilly. Very, very I've windy been, I've and hilly. I've driven in West yes. Virginia and yes. lots of windy, narrow, hilly yes. roads. Yes. And so that was very hard. And I think that one thing that I'm saying about culture as far as, you know, different locations in West Virginia is very different because of where West Virginia is centered. If you would look at the map, um, I know this sounds funny, but to me, if you look at the way West Virginia is shaped, it looks like a frog that's been run over by a truck. <laughs> the way that it looks. Okay, so if you I'm look at, to get a if map, you, look at a map you can that. see how it looks. But that's okay. what it looks like to me. But um, because you have areas of West Virginia that is really close to Washington, D.C. So that area is very different than even where I live because I live close to Kentucky. Um, where Because you drive into Kentucky and we're not, we're maybe an 45 minutes after you come into Kentucky. Really? From that's, the Kentucky line? Yes, from the Kentucky okay. line. So that's where we are. And then you got down by the coal fields, which is a, another different culture. Mm-hmm. And then you have um, another area up near Detroit, which is, you know, a totally different culture as well. So I think that as we have been there now almost uh, three years, during that time, we have been able to understand those different cultures. They worship different at the churches. They, you know, uh, the way that they greet people is different. Um, it's just very different everywhere you go in West Virginia. And um, it, it's, it's been an eye-opening experience for me. I've never lived in a place where it's so versatile in culture. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, I would say it was kind of a, a shock to me because, um, I don't know, being so far away from home, not knowing anyone, uh, trying to join a church, but it was COVID. Well, uh, so, so many whole, things. People talk about towns that maybe 20 miles down the road. I don't, I don't have any frame of reference where they're oh, talking about. I still am working on that. Yeah. <laughs> Having to learn who the governor is, who the, the, you mm-hmm. know, all the political things, who the mayor, you know, all these, every single aspect of right. life, you're, you're totally unfamiliar with it. Right. And it, and, and it really is. I mean, you know, you go to vote, you don't have a clue who to vote Yes, for right. Kind of stuff. Right, trying to just find all the different places that you can go and trying to research. And now um, now I know where the best restaurants are and, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, even basic things like that. Where do you go eat? You know, where's a good place to go eat? You know, you, you don't always know. Well, and the internet helps. you have to get helps, a new doctor and you have yes, to find a new yes. gynecologist. And, yes, all you know, of those things. And, and get established. You can't just... So we had to, you know, learn you, you get established with the doctor right off because you can't be sick and not have a doctor because nobody will let you in. So yes. just things like that is that all adds to the sense of being disoriented and a constant reminder that I'm not from here. And even if the people don't treat you that way, now we have lived in some communities where we were never going to be a part of that community because we weren't from there. And that's how it is in West Virginia, you know, very um, close knit. Yes. Strong. Yes. Generations of family ties. You know, I'm, I'm from, I'm from the South and I love to open my home. I love to have people over. I love to cook. So that's one of the joys of my life. And I love to have people over and be hospitable, but that's not the norm. Mm. Um, no one, 
people feel uncomfortable in West Virginia doing that. Um, Going to someone's house or having someone in their house? I think both. I mean, when I have it, I've had, uh, I have another pastor's wife that's a friend of mine who she and I have discussed this because she's not from West Virginia either. And she said that when she would ask her church members, would you like to come over and have dinner? They said, are we in trouble? Hmm. And that was their first thought that the pastor wants to have a us over for dinner. Right. Instead of, she said, no, I just want to have you over to get to know you better and to fellowship with you. And that has been my issue, you know, inviting people over. You know, um, I have had many of the pastors, many, um, as many as I can. I want, I would love to have more over time. It's just kind of hard to get people on the same schedule. Right. But I think that that was something very uncomfortable for them. And one lady, friend of mine, she said, well, it's just I don't know if I have a good enough home. I would not want to have someone mm-hmm. come to my home. And I think that's maybe sometimes people feel that way um, instead of just, you know, saying, you know, this is my home and I want to invite you over. You know, I feel like uh, the home that I have is a blessing from the Lord. Mm-hmm. And that, and to me, ministering to people by having them in your home is part of what I'm supposed to do as a minister's wife. Not all minister's wives are feel that way. Um, you know, there might be some that might be a little uncomfortable with that. But that is how I can minister to someone. It's by having them over, getting to know them better, even know how I can pray for them better, mm-hmm. building relationships with people. And sometimes when you go into a new culture, that's how you get to know them. I mean, many cultures are sur- surround food. You know, they surround the table. When you think about all the different cultures around the world, even, mm-hmm. you know, um, having time at the table is very important. Well, and in some countries, I mean, it is considered extremely rude to not eat what they offer you, even if it looks funny or smells funny or tastes funny, you know. um, Yes, exactly. And so because that's their way of connecting with you and blessing you and sharing some of themselves with you. And so it's rude to reject that. Well, and it's part of their the. I think it's part of their culture to have conversation and relationships that while you're eating, you're fellowshipping. Mm-hmm. I mean, I see that Jesus did that with his disciples. Mm-hmm. And so um, when we have people over, it's just my opportunity to get to know them, ask them questions. And then if, you know, and them ask us questions, get to know who we are. And I think it's my moment to be real. I mean, I think that's something important that we show that we are human. We, you know, we're a ministry and we're not perfect. We still make mistakes and have issues just like everyone else, but be able to, you know, show and through testimony what God has done for us and how he has changed our lives. And a lot of times that happens when you can have a personal time with people. Mm -hmm. And that's just really important to me to, to have that, to be hospitable. And so it's a very powerful tool for reaching, for reaching other people. And I mean, the Bible talks about hospitality. I think Christians, we don't do that. We don't take advantage of that mechanism for ministering to people as often as we should because we do feel uncomfortable about my house isn't clean or if my furniture's not really nice or I'm not a great cook or, you know, those kind of things. I've invited people over before. You know, we've just had grilled cheese and apple slices and <laughs> 
really matter. We we had nice conversation, got to know people. That's and, right. And it really, you know, you serve them on paper plates, and that really that really lowers the pressure of oh, well, I've got to have china and all that to have somebody over for dinner. No. Yeah, I think even like um, for example, I went to we have a minister minister's wives retreat that we do every year. Everybody brings food. And so when I brought my food, you know, I bring it in like, you know, a container, but then I put it in a really pretty container when I get it there. And somebody made a comment, well, I don't have a really pretty container, but (laughs) here's my food. And I don't even think anything about that. because that's just what I do. But I have to realize that their part of the culture is like, they just put it out there, you know, but that's okay. That's okay. But I'm I'm a more of a fancy person. (laughs) Yeah. Since I am calling this how to survive culture shock, what are some other things that, that you might've found helpful to help you survive or begin to build a home, you know, when y'all have moved. And one of the first things I did is look at a map because I wanted to be able to see where we were and where we would, we would be traveling. You know, I think that's because I wanted to understand the geography mm-hmm. of what the state was because I know um, where we live, it's not the prettiest part of the state. When you, when you drive about 40 minutes, it's like all of a sudden these mountains come out of nowhere and they're just massive mm-hmm. mountains okay. and they're they're absolutely beautiful. But having a map was very important to me. And um, I think also asking questions of some of the other staff about, okay, we're going to be going to this church. You know, can you tell me more about who this person is and what this pastor's wife, what's she like? And give me some little background about her if you know that information. Also, um, I think another thing that I probably have done is taken a little gift to the pastor's wife, just, you know, something to, just so that I can just say, I care about you. And if, you know, and I've always told the pastor's wives, if there's anything I can do for you, please feel free to call me, mm-hmm. you know, but I think having the map is important. And then I'm a foodie. So I think learning culture through food is <laughs> important. Yeah. And the food in West Virginia is different. I mean, then here. I mean, you think about some of, some of the basic foods that they like is, you know, is, it's different than where I grew mm-hmm. up. So, you know, I think those kind of things and, and learning about, I guess, just learning about the people, you know, they're the background of West Virginia, you know, there's a lot of history in West Virginia, as far as the civil war, lots of civil war mm-hmm. happened in West Virginia. So I think that that has also shaped who a lot of the people are is through the years. And like, they're very family focused and just, I don't know, spending time with them. Like I said before, just trying to understand them from the perspective of where they are in the state and how they're doing ministry. Mm -hmm. So, but as me personally, you know, I will say that it has, West Virginia is wonderful, but it has been a struggle for me. The first year I cried a lot. (laughs) It was hard because of COVID was really hard. And then moving away from my family was really hard. Well, I know when we moved, we left our home church to go to our very first church where we pastored. It was only a hundred miles away from our hometown, but it might as well have been a hundred thousand miles because it was across the state line and the people talked different. Their accents were, were different. Their wording of things were different. Um, I had come from a situation where most of the women my age did not work. We were home with the kids and everybody there worked. And so that made making friends hard. And, you know, my, uh, my kids, we, and they really had a hard time adjusting to that first place too, because, you know, kids 
infiltrating established friend groups or established sports teams. You know, our kids could play sports where they were, and now the sports at this new school is totally different. And, you know, all those kind of things. Finding your place is is hard Yes, when you move yeah. to a new place. It, it is. And, and I remember— Especially if you're not— one of them and all the places we've lived you know and taking our kids same thing I think that it's not that it's easier for us as adults but it's harder when you have kids and you're moving somewhere that is new to them because they have to feel like they start over when we moved from Georgia to Arkansas widely different cultures Mm -hmm. very different from moving where there was a you know this a larger city to the mountains, uh, living on the mountain in Arkansas, very, very different for our kids. Mm-hmm. Really just trying to, I think one of the biggest things is, is to find find something for your kids that is of interest of them, that they can be involved with, with others, people their own age, mm-hmm. you know, um, and I think that was very important. We, we had to find a church. I mean, that's most, a lot of people, when you go to be on staff at a church, that's your church. Right. But then sometimes when you're in a situation and you're moving to another state to do a different job, you know, like we had to find a church when we went to West Virginia and we moved from Georgia to Arkansas, we had to find a church. And uh, so that's very different too, when you're trying to find a church that fits your family. Yeah. And um, the church we left, of course, was, you know, Adrian Rogers Church. We had no problems (laughs) at all. No, I'm saying that facetiously, (laughs) but it just, looking back on it now, it was almost like a Camelot, you know, just uh, so much was healthy and strong and good. And for some reason, God tapped Greg to fix broken churches. So every church that we have pastored, we come in after a traumatic split and, you know, lots of uh, wounded people, lots of angry people, lots of rebuilding. So my children, you know, we took them out of one of the greatest churches in the world and put them in all these broken churches where people were still fighting and critical. And that was a culture shock. Absolutely. And I had to keep reminding them and myself, God called us here and your dad has a God assignment to be here. But to an eight-year-old who's miserable and a mama who's grieving because her eight-year-old is miserable, that that's a hard place to be. And <clears throat> you do have to find other ways to compensate, you know, do new things, you know, because when you're in a a difficult situation and lots of people go to a, a church assignment and then find out, okay, this is not exactly what we thought we were agreeing to. And it can be hard. And then you're, you know, you're stuck, but, um, praying through it. But, um, you know, people always say kids are so resilient, but there was a season where every Wednesday night, after church, the kids and I would come home and we'd cry until Greg got home after I put them to bed. And, it, was, it you know, so that that's that's part of it, too. Sometimes you have to cry through it until it gets better. Yeah, you know, when we moved from Georgia to Arkansas, I, you know, our kids cried a lot. I mean, that we moved them from their their friends, moving away from them to a place that they had never been before and trying to figure out where they fit. And I think one of the things that really helped them a lot, this is when we were in mission evangelism, was we got a guitar for our son and Eric taught him some basic things on guitar. So the churches that we would go to, he would, he learned 
just from watching on the internet, just videos on the internet, how to play guitar. And so he started helping leading worship and our daughter would sing and he would play and we would allow them to do that. Was it perfect? No, Mm -hmm. it wasn't perfect, but it gave them an opportunity to to see that they could also be a part of ministry. And that that gave them a a sense of ownership. ownership. I have a part. I have a, I have a part um, because, you know, they gave, they gave up a lot for our family to do what mm-hmm. we were doing in ministry. Mm-hmm. And they gave up a lot for us to move. And it gave them an opportunity to say, okay, the Lord has called our family to ministry. It's not just about them calling dad. Our whole family is in this together. Mm-hmm. And that's really how we wanted our kids to feel. And I think sometimes when we have to move and we have to go somewhere new, that it's important that we allow our kids to see that it's it's something that God has called our family to do. It's I think that's was important. And, you know, um, trying to find out where our kids can best fit in that part of ministry with us. So, you know, that's what we wanted to do. And, uh, yeah, I encourage, I really encourage other people that, you know, their kids struggle with a move or they struggle where they are to just find out how their kids can also be a part of what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's one thing that I did learn was... Um, I did not learn it the first time, but I think the second time we moved, maybe I did better. But you can't just always grieve what you left behind. You've got to look for the good, which is going to be different. It's going to be unfamiliar, but you got to look for, you know, kind of embrace the adventure attitude. Yes, you can miss the things that you loved that you don't have anymore, but there will be new things and you just have to have to look for them and find them. And when, you know, that first year was hard. I don't think ministry is ever easy, but I think that as time has gone on, I've been able to find things of how I can work alongside Eric um, and what he does in ministering to pastors and, and I can minister to the wives. And so I oversee the minister's wives ministry for the convention. And there's been, we've made some changes and things that we've done there. And um, I really feel like that we've had opportunity, I've had opportunity to plan things that have been um, encouraging to those pastor's wives. And I look forward to my time with them. I look forward to my time where I can encourage them and uplift them um, through, you know, the music that we choose, the speaker we choose, whatever. I, I love doing that because I think that is very important because I know how much pastor's wives give. They give so much in time to their church and to their husbands. And when we all come together, I want them to have an opportunity to be refreshed and renewed and to understand that they're cared for and they're loved on. Anything else you want to add for something you might have done that helped you adjust to a new community? I, um, I'm very appreciative of all the people that they've gone the extra mile to just accept us and love on us. You know, there's just been um, certain people that there's a lady that leads the Bible study. And, you know, even from the very beginning, she took the time to drive over to the convention building and bring me my Bible study book encourage me to come and be a part of them. That's very, been very important to me. And she's always so encouraging about coming, uh, come and be part of us. And she sends me messages and says that she's praying for me. You know, it's it's those people like that that have been encouraging and care and have shown care for me through, I don't know, moving and being away from my family, being in a different place that I don't really feel like has been home but it's where God has called us to minister. Mm-hmm. Well, and you're talking about being away from your 
family and friends. Um, when we first moved, and I was really struggling because everything was so different, I finally hung a bunch of pictures in the hallway of people from back home. And that that helped so much, just being able to see their faces. That was back when, you know, collage frames. I still have a lot of those. Yeah. Well, now I'm... I'm an Instagram ad sucker. And so I've been seeing all these mixed tile frames, um, pictures. So I've, I've invested in, uh, mixed tiles here. So, and I, I love them, but just, just having pictures of the, the people that you left behind. I that think that, helps. I think that's, I think that's a great idea. You that know, helped me. Well, and I think Facebook helps me too, because I keep in contact with so many people. Well, yeah. And one positive of COVID, was now we all are quite proficient on Zoom, <laughs> so we can, you know, video chatting with, with oh, people. Oh, yes, absolutely. It's very easy. Yes. I'm very thankful for FaceTime because I do video, oh, I do FaceTime my family a lot, and that way I can at least talk to my grandbabies and, and see my kids, and so, you know, that's good. But I do love what my husband does, and I have seen so much change that has happened in our convention since he's been there. And I see so much the blessings that God has given to the convention through the things that, you know, we have been able to, to do while we've been there, you know, and, um, I, I feel honored that he has called us to this position because it's a very important role that is played, um, in, you know, our convention our state convention, but also our national convention, because, you know, churches need leadership that, um, you know, can lead them in the right direction and show them that sometimes they hear maybe things that are happening in the convention that are not true. And so they need to have the truth and what is, you know, really happening, but they also need uh, somebody there to give them teaching, you know, advice, just be there when, they feel like they can't talk to anyone else. They can have someone. So I, I feel very honored that God has called us to that position that we can love and care for pastors and their wives. Well, and that that's the bottom line. I mean, especially when you know that God has called you somewhere. You know, as Christians, we're not ever supposed to be comfortable in this world, wherever we are, even when you're in your hometown with, with your mama close by. You know, because once we become Christ followers— this is not our home anymore. Our This is where we are until God calls us home. Once we kind of get past the shock of, oh, this feels uncomfortable, this feels unfamiliar. I mean, I'm still, after a year, follow the little blue line on my phone. And whenever I don't turn the GPS on my phone, and I think, oh, I can get there. I've been there 42 times. I know how to... Every single time I get lost. So, you know, I still... Oh, I, I, I will probably always <laughs> use the GPS where we live. Yeah, Because the roads are windy and none of them make sense. Well, and, and I get hard. so busy singing or whatever. I totally <laughs> lose track of where I am. But, um, you know, we're not... We're not... God doesn't call us to be comfortable. He doesn't call us to feel at home. He calls us to spread the gospel, to disciple other people, to minister to other people, to care, you know. So really, I think we can allow ourselves a short little season of, oh, I'm really sad because I miss where I was and I don't feel at home where I am. But but then we just have to get past that and do what God called us, called us to do. Yeah, but and I see that for such a time as this, 
for sure that this is where we're supposed to be. Mm -hmm. And I think that you're right. I think that you have to understand that the joy is going to come from the from the Lord and, yes. and what you do. Yes. It's not going to always be where you are. Yes. Well, the I think what I should have looked this up, but the verse where Paul says, I have learned in whatever state mm-hmm. I'm in mm-hmm. to be content. Right. And I've lived in some states that I was not <laughs> yes. content to be in. Yes, I have too. Um, but, you know, Paul said, I have learned to be content. And it's a choice. It is a choice. You're right. Until... You're right. And I have, you know, I have, I have friends now in West Virginia. I have a a home church. I'm, I get to serve from time to time at that church and I get to serve along Eric uh, with him as he goes and ministers in other churches in the state. And, you know, it's a blessing. Mm -hmm. It, It really is a blessing to wherever we ever were going. Well, and ministry is wonderful, because, you know, when Greg was a lawyer, I didn't get to do anything with him. You know, right. I, I didn't get to go to work with him. I didn't get to yes. to uh, help him try cases and all that kind of stuff. But but ministry is one of the few things that it, you know, you really can't. You are a partner with your husband in ministry. And that's a wonderful thing. Yeah. And Eric and I love being partners with each other. And he always says that he loves it when I go with him because I, I make him feel more comfortable around people sometimes because I have conversations with people and ask questions and he doesn't always know what to say or ask. So, you know, we work really well together and, um, you know, it, to me being in ministry is there are difficulties, but there's so many blessings. There are, there are. And I, I wouldn't want to do anything else. (laughs) Well, ladies, if you are in a new place and, um, you're needing something that feels familiar or just a daily word of encouragement, I want to provide a link for you uh, in the show notes uh, for you to be able to take advantage of the daily heartbeat from Love Worth Finding. It's just going to be a little daily email with some encouragement from scripture. And uh, so I'll put the link for that in the show notes. Gay, thank you for sharing some of your story with us today and um, a lot of wisdom into how how to survive adjusting to a new place and a kind of culture shock trauma. <laughs> so <thank laughs> well, it was you. a blessing to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. Yeah. And to all you pastor wives out there, I'm so glad you joined us today too. Sometimes we just need to have honest talk about some of these real challenges that are part of the life uh, when you're married to a minister. So have you found a way to survive culture shock? If you have tips to share for how to make transitions easier that you've experienced with your family, uh, we'd love for you to share them with us. Maybe leave a comment on one of our social pages, Instagram or Facebook. Or if you have a friend in ministry who's trying to adjust to a new situation and maybe she's struggling with that, why don't you share this uh, episode link with her? How wonderful it is when sisters in Christ can minister to one another through encouragement. I just want to close today reminding you of our theme verse for Mary to the Ministry. It's Luke 1.6. And they were both righteous in the sight of God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and requirements of the Lord. So until next time, friends, let's keep loving Jesus, loving our husbands, and loving our people. 